Humans are an interesting species, an interesting mix. We're capable of such beautiful dreams, such horrible nightmares, such deeply mid-video games. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. Today we're talking about Starfield, the big new RPG that none of us loved, but there was still plenty interesting to talk about. It's time to hop in our spaceships and fast travel to the stars, so let's do it. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Schreier. Hello. Hello. Hey, hello. Hello, hello you two. Hello, my friends. Hello. Shana Tova, and Happy New Year to <laughs> yeah, my, happy Rosh Hashanah, all my dear Jason. buddies out there. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, gotta eat some apples and honey in this house. We've already gotten yeah. some. <laughs> already gotten some snacks. That's all I care about. That's what affects me. I'm a big fan <laughs> of pomegranate. Do you like yeah, pomegranates, Manny? I do. My mom got us a special chocolate box that's Rosh Hashanah themed, and it has pomegranate chocolates and apples and honey chocolates. And there's a third Beautiful. one that I forget, but just got Fantastic. those. And that sounds delicious. One of the most exciting things going on in my household right now. Yeah, it is exciting. <laughs> well, you're in that kind of post-wedding stage when it's I like know. there's nothing going on, right? I, God, just I know. Kind of relax. Intentionally, we've set it up so that we have nothing yes. going on. Like, uh-huh. no joke. Uh-huh. We're like, and Very now, good way to do things. nothing at all for the next Love year it. or so. Please. Love it. Nothing at all. Uh, that's, a, that's a very good way to do things. As someone who did not do that after getting married earlier this year, I... That sounds really nice. Yeah, you did <laughs> so, like a whole lot so of good things. For you. Which we is did all the, the things. Opposite. Pretty much, pretty much all the things. Which <laughs> yeah, was fine. That was fun too. But it would have been nice to do to do nothing. Things. Yeah, I recommend mm. it. Um, speaking of doing things, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you feel like doing something to help Triple Click continue to make podcasts about the best and also most interesting and not best <laughs> new video games, <laughs> you can uh, become Ooh, a member of Maximum Fun. <laughs> <laughs> you can become a member of Maximum Fun to uh, to you know support us making the show and support our wonderful network that we're so happy to be a part of. You do that at MaximumFun.org slash join. Doing so, as I said, helps us make this show, this completely ad-free show that we make that way because we don't like ads and we don't want to have them. So you can support that. And you can also get bonus episodes of Triple Click, which we release each month. And we just released our most recent one, which was a lengthy and joyful conversation about The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, a game that all three of us loved. Um, good really, video game, I think. Really good video <laughs> game. That was very, very fun to talk about. And uh, there's a million more bonus episodes that you get, too. So mm-hmm. uh, that's just a little thank you from us to you for supporting our show. So that's MaximumFun.org slash join. And, uh, you know, go become a member. Do you want to tell the people what we're going to do for our next bonus episode, Kirk? Yes. We are going to be talking a little bit more about AI because that has been obviously a very hot topic this year, and we did a whole episode about it with guest friend of the show, Casey Newton, mm-hmm. and that was a lot of fun. But there's so much more to say, and I feel like so much more has even happened since then. And also, I've been reconsidering some art that uh, concerns AI that's sort of about our relationship with artificial intelligence. So there are two films, uh, the film Her and the film Ex Machina. Two of We're going to watch favorite, those two movies. All-time favorite movies ever. Two really good sci-fi <laughs> movies. We're yeah, going to watch them. Yeah, made this suggestion, and I was like, what? Watch two of my favorite <laughs> movies ever. Make Jason watch more movies he's never seen before. 
also this, this fun. will be fun since One they're of my just other pet hobbies. they're just very good movies, <laughs> and I think so. I think they're going to be Two fun very to rewatch. Different movies too. They are very different, and uh, we're going to talk about them. And specifically, we'll talk about just how we're all, how the three of us are thinking about our relationships to artificial intelligence and um, technology and what those movies uh, provoke in us. So yeah, that'll be at the end of the month. And um, yeah, all right, let's get on to this week's topic, which is a triple play of Starfield. We promised it last week, and now here we are. The three of us have played some Starfield, and we're going to talk about it. I wrote a little boilerplate here that I will now read. Starfield is a new first-person role-playing game from Bethesda Game Studios, the creators of The Elder Scrolls and the current standard bearers of the Fallout series. In Starfield, players make their own custom character, pick a backstory and some unique perks, and within a few minutes have gone from mining ore on a remote planet to charting a course through the vastness of space, hunting for mysterious, powerful artifacts on behalf of Constellation, a well-funded but secretive research and exploration group. Over the course of the game, you will shoot lots of guns at lots of space pirates. You will have lengthy conversations with the backs of people's heads. You will navigate your fast travel cursor to trigger landing cutscenes on dozens, if not hundreds, of worlds. And you will become over-encumbered so quickly that you'll basically stop picking anything up. We have been playing since the game came out a couple of weeks ago. I actually burned through the main campaign and started New Game Plus, kind of unexpectedly, um, and do that over the weekend. And I think Maddie and Jason are both earlier on in their first time through the game. And here we are to talk about it. So I want to know what the two of you think of Starfield. Uh, Maddie, how about you go first? I'm so upset by it. I'm upset you called on me first. (laughs) I'm not ready emotionally. I feel like I need more time to charge up so that I don't say anything too negative. I don't like it when people just complain about video games. I feel... Mm -hmm. Like, I need to say something nice. I need a compliment <laughs> sandwich about this game. I Starfield is a good name. It's a good name for a game. <laughs> you know what? I actually do think it's a good name. And yeah. I'll say this. I like that logo. I think it's kind of yeah. fun. Like it's the such a good nice. name that they copyrighted it or trademarked it like a decade ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, but right. Years before Todd they even was started just working on like, it. Starfield, just, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah no, just, that's, a ser- that's a true it's story. a good name yeah, yeah, for a video game. And, you know, we make fun of video game titles on this show a lot. Chances Sonar. We really went on and on great last week about that name. And Starfield, great name, great logo, very memorable. Todd Howard looks great in a bomber jacket. He's got a lot of bomber jackets. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really struggling right, with this game. You did it, Maddie. You said some nice things. <laughs> I, I'm really struggling with this game. I don't understand what the point of it is. I've mm. done so much in this game. <laughs> it's such a quiet game. Like today, one of, the, one of the parts I was playing, I was finding another artifact. Like as Kirk described in his little boilerplate, you go around, you find more artifacts. You're helping this mysterious uh, faction of, of people called Constellation. They're scientists. They're finding these strange artifacts. That's what gives you your telekinetic superpowers. How do they work? What are they? They're magical. That's cool. I love I love things like this. Uh, so I, I was on a planet walking around, checking out anomalies, using my scanner, Outer Wild style, to check out anomalies. This all sounds like my shit. Like, I should love this. But I was so bored just completely silently walking around this planet, like really far away. Like the anomalies were really far away from each other. Did this happen to you guys? Like I was just walking through the desert. Yes. I mean, you were describing what you spend most of, of the time white, doing in this game. Not entirely featureless, but sort of like a Nevada desert kind of moonscape situation. 
I was just walking by myself. And, and for part of that, I had this guy, Barrett. He's my favorite character. He's like this older black guy. He's like really snarky. I, I like Barrett. He's my character I really like. So I kept him with me. Barrett doesn't have a word to say to me. The two of us are just walking in silence. I don't know. I Somebody else talk. I, I can't with this game. I don't understand what it's about. <laughs> All right. So uh, we have gotten an... We've gotten some impressionistic, some, some beat poetry from Maddie Myers. Jason Schreier, what do you think of Starfield? Yeah, Jason, say something nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fine, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I think it suffers a lot from being released so close to Baldur's Gate 3. And I know the developers Certainly. of Baldur's Gate 3 were worried about Starfield, which is yeah. why they released a month early. But really, it should have been the other way around. Because I think the writing, especially, is such a weakness in this game. Here, let me let me read to you an exchange of dialogue that I, I jotted down because it was particularly notable to me. And so I was going around with Adreja um, mm-hmm. in the city mm-hmm. of Neon, which is a cyberpunk city. Um, and I just wanted to experiment a little bit with the game systems, just playing around in the sandbox. And so I just shot someone and made everybody hostile. And Andrea left my party and, and, uh, there was, I got a little quest saying, talk to her. And so I went up and talked to her and this is the exchange that followed. She said, have you lost your mind? Is there even a mind to lose? And I replied, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she said, you cannot possibly mean that. And I said, can we just forget about this and move on? And she said, that you would even suggest a thing shows how little you understand. And I was like, what is going on with this dialogue exchange? And then I realized <laughs> it must be some generic like exchange yeah. that they wrote where like anytime you do anything wrong in front of her, I guess this mm-hmm. whole thing just plays. And that's why they're just speaking in such broad generalities. And that's just kind of an example of, of some of the dialogue in this game. And especially coming after a game like Baldur's Gate 3, where everything is so reactive and there's so many different permutations, it's really jarring. I went through the credits list a little bit. Bethesda, I think the way they work is they have their quest designers write the dialogue. They don't have writers, per se, because I can't find any any writers in the credits for Starfield. Whereas Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate 3 doesn't have a quest team. They have a writing team and a writing uh, uh, staff that is that handles a lot of that stuff. And I think even just that kind of title, that distinction of title, quest design versus writer, mm. really says a lot about the prioritization of this game. And that is really, I mean, that's really what's made me bounce off of this game the most. There's a lot of kind of baffling decisions. I mean, the lack of maps, um, especially oh in God. cities, the, the, the whole the space travel. mapping for the maps is maddening. Like, when you press the sensor key or the sensing key to use your sensor, it's like press G to see the planet's ground, like the, the the map of the planet that you're on. But if you don't have your sensor out and you press G, you'll throw a grenade. Like just little <laughs> things like that. It's mm. like, you don't want that to be the same button. Sometimes you reach for your sensor and then you, you pull out a grenade <laughs> and pull the pin and throw it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's classic, classic space, classic well, NASA. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of like little finicky things like that, a lot of kind of baffling design decisions, but really what has made me just want to turn this off and not play it again is just that the writing just 
constantly makes takes me out of it. it makes me think, man, like this could have used some pep. This could have used some colors, some some editors to get in here and add a little bit more flavor. I mean, I'll just give you give you one more exchange. Please, more more dramatic readings from Jason <laughs> um, Trier of Starfield. So, so this one, uh, okay, this one, this one, I jotted down because I was just like, oh my god. Um, a shopkeeper said to me, "You lost, kiddo." And one of the dialogue responses you could make was, "Last I checked, I was an adult." <laughs> <laughs> that actually rules. Imagine uh, sometimes that. there are actually very funny responses. <laughs> and then people. another part of it is on a macro level, even putting aside the kind of the flatness of the writing itself, the, the individual lines on a macro level, I mean, everything just leads to the same outcome. So like I experimented with one quest potential and you could um, basically this person was in jail and asking you to help them out and you could choose from three different options. Um, and it was like, I'll hear you out, or it sounds like you're where you meant to be. You're meant to be, um, or what are you in for? Did you do it? And they all just lead to the same outcome. And then you could be like, uh, I don't want to end up in a cell next to you, and they ask you to help them out, and that just leads to the quest starting regardless. They're just like, oh, don't worry, you won't. And then the quest just starts, <laughs> and you're just up on your way. It's just mm-hmm. such such bad like narrative branching, and I'm guessing that they chose to prioritize other stuff, exploration and and quests, and having a thousand plans. But the the moment-to-moment gameplay is just so flat and boring and tedious and not fun. Um, The fact that every quest has shooting in it for some reason. You can't talk your way out of things, just like Fallout 4. It's just such a bummer of a game. And apparently it gets good after 12 hours. I'm I'm like uh, six or seven hours into it. Um, I don't think... I, I think that's enough for me. I feel like I've seen enough of this game. I just don't have any desire to play more. Like, I'd rather start Baldur's Gate 3 again mm-hmm. and replay it for a second time. For what it's worth, yeah. you can talk your way out of Quest, but I find the persuasion yeah. system to be extremely similar to those dialogue snippets that you were reading. So I have high persuasion and diplomacy skills or whatever it's called in this game. And so I can often talk my way out of battles, but it makes the game more boring usually because it'll just end suddenly... And characters will just say, like, oh, I guess I'm coming around to your point of view. And then suddenly everything ends and it's over. Um, no, I'm talking about there are many, many scenes. I mean, pretty much every quest I've done, you just uh, encounter a group of hostile people. You don't even get a dialogue exchange. That's what I'm talking about. There are definitely quests where you can talk your way through them instead of fighting. Like, I've played a lot of them. But not every quest. There are a lot of times where you just have to fight. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the persuasion system is a little bit, a little bit funky. And it, it feels very anticlimactic, especially when you yeah. talk someone out of a life or death situation with just like, I just always kind of pick the highest option and then yeah. just sort of win and then they change their <laughs> mind. It doesn't really feel... It's so different. I mean, I'm sorry to keep comparing it to Baldur's Gate, but like the persuasion checks in that game are so rewarding. Like when you talk a boss into killing themselves, it'll always be like this is absurd moment where you're like, what? I didn't know he was going to do that. And like the comparison yeah. is so unflattering here. I want to talk about what I think of the game too. That, too, but that is it, an interesting yeah. one in that I think that the way that Baldur's Gate three uh, makes the systems transparent by showing you the DC and showing you the dice roll is actually to that game's benefit. It winds up being really cool where in Starfield and in a lot of other games too, they don't show you the dice roll going on. They show you that it's a more difficult option that you're picking to get more persuasion points toward the end of the conversation. It's a kind of convoluted system Mm -hmm. that kind of makes sense in principle, but you don't see the roll happening. And that actually makes me enjoy it less because I just sort of don't, I don't even really know how hard what I'm doing is. I'm certainly not rolling playing i'm just kind of trying to game this mini game Mm -hmm. it really yeah it feels like a sort of 
I don't know, like Mario RPG minigame or something. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I've played more than 12 hours of this yeah, game. Yeah, you beat it. I'm, I did, I beat <laughs> it, I guess. I finished it. I this is a game that's, it's a game that's designed to be played multiple times and... Um, you know, without getting into the specifics, like it's sort of there's a narrative reason for New Game Plus. So once you finish, you can you're kind of like still in your same story and you can keep going. And there are some things that carry over into New Game Plus and you can kind of I'll say there's a really cool and kind of experimental idea at play with what they're doing with New Game Plus, New Game Plus 2, New Game Plus 3 that um, I think is really fun. Like it's one of the it's maybe the coolest idea in the game, <laughs> like is this one thing, which Sounds like stronger praise than I really mean it. Can you elaborate on that at all without spoiling too much? I don't really want to get into spoilers, so I'll just say that because I want to give impressions of like the actual game that most people will play. Mm -hmm. Because I don't actually think, I actually don't even think it's a good idea to rush through to get to New Game Plus. I saw that advice a lot of places. I sort of just focus on the story because I wanted to see the kind of meat of the game before we talked about it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really enjoying myself. I wasn't very grabbed by the game. I'm kind of just feeling adrift with it in general. So I was like, oh, I'll just kind of go through the motions and finish the story. And it really went very quickly once I started doing story quests. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm at the end. Like, there's a kind of big reveal that happens. Honestly, it was probably like eight hours into the game or something, <laughs> or maybe 10 hours. And I realized, oh, I'm, I'm going to finish this thing over the weekend before we record, which I wasn't <laughs> planning to do. So I did finish it, but I, I played a fair amount. Um, I understand, I think, why people like this game. There's a certain lovable quality to all of Bethesda's games. It's a little bit, it's it's kind of in the way that it's a little flat and you just kind of wander through it and just do stuff. Like it's something to do and it's sort of appealing in that way. But my biggest complaint with this game is that the fundamental things that you do don't work and they've removed the one thing that they were best at, that Bethesda Game Studios was best at. They've completely removed that from this game. So... A couple of weeks ago, we did an episode on what makes a Bethesda game a Bethesda game. We talked about Skyrim and Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 and those older Elder Scrolls games. And the thing I said anyways, when Maddie, you kind of asked me, okay, so what does make a Bethesda game a Bethesda game? And for me, the combat's never that great. The writing's never that great. Mm -hmm. Those pieces of it have never really been very good in any of those games. The reason that I like playing them is this core thing that I latch onto in all of them, and that's the exploration. It's the feeling of charting this massive, contiguous map where you can see across the horizon. There's cool things you can see, and you can walk over to them, and there tends to be an adventure there, something that you can find. That feeling of like walking across the wasteland and fallout while that music plays, it's a really cool feeling. And for me, it's basically been enough for me to play all of these games, even the ones that I have major criticisms of, like Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. Like, I liked them fine. This game doesn't have that. And to me, that's the game's fatal flaw. Almost everything else, even the writing, which I agree with you, Jason, is like, there's it just doesn't make sense. There's totally like incoherent character moments constantly. Nothing really holds together. The main storyline is like, diet, diet, watered down Outer Wilds. Like, if you think this stuff is cool, go play Outer Wilds and it'll blow your friggin' mind. Like, (laughs) play a game that actually, like, really takes on some of these ideas. But all of that stuff almost feels academic because, for me, it's that they made an outer space exploration game where you don't fly your spaceship anywhere. (laughs) And, like, I can't understand that. I really, really struggle with it. Like, this game, to explain to anyone who hasn't played it or read anything about it, you get in your ship, which you get very early on, and you're in the cockpit with a really cool dis- like heads-up display and you're flying, but you can't actually fly anywhere. If you want to go somewhere, like land on a planet, go to a new system, whatever, you have to go into the map. And the map
map is like this nestled series of menus, basically. They're just, they look like solar systems, but they're mm-hmm. menus. They just have things that you click on and playing with the mouse and keyboard, you click on them and then you hold the X button and then you go there. And sometimes you, you will straight up like fly somewhere and then you'll just be in your cockpit and then you just go back into the map and then you fly down to the surface through the map. Like the ship itself doesn't do anything. So as a result, everywhere that you go is a new, smaller, I guess technically smaller location than any of the big maps from their previous games. And there's always just like one reason that you're there. Like it's a little different in cities, I guess, but you you kind of are just, you land somewhere and then there's an anomaly over there and you look and, oh yeah, sure enough, there's like a temple on the horizon. And then you walked, as you said, Maddie, you just walk straight forward for mm-hmm. like two or three minutes and then you get there and then you get the thing you need and then you just press the map button and like fast travel to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like... You don't even have to walk back to your ship, which thank God, I guess, but... I guess, but like, <laughs> it, but it really undercuts the thing that I think Bethesda is so good at and has always been the appeal to me is that feeling of like, oh man, over there, that's the irradiated, really yeah. bad zone where there's death claws, like, but I'm going to go, I'm going to get my power armor and go across it and whoa, there's this building and I'm going to go into the basement and see what's there and oh man, there's this bar downtown in Boston and it's the Cheers bar and oh man, look, there's Norm. Like the feeling of discovery and exploration that they're very, very good at, that the studio like rules at, it's the thing they're so good at, isn't in this game. This game that's like about exploration and pays so much lip service to exploration and that is very baffling to me. Uh, I really don't get it. It just, it really undercuts the entire experience. So was there a point for you? How many hours have you played? You beat the whole thing. You played. I don't a bunch know. Of my time. steam my steam timer says like seventeen, but I bet it's more like twelve or eleven. Okay. Mm-hmm. And was there a point? Wow, that's it. Okay. And was there a point <laughs> for you when it like clicked a little bit for like uh, and and things felt like I don't know smoother, less jarring, yeah. better? I mean, I had a good enough play. time. Like it was it was fine. Um, I should say a little more about how I played. Um, it probably would have taken me a few more hours if I hadn't used a couple of console commands that I used, Mm. um, which allow you to unlock things. So I was merciless about optimizing this game for myself because life is short, man. And especially when a game like takes this long to do some basic stuff, I just... I just didn't have time. So specifically, mm. I uh, did a couple of mods that are just quality of life mods for this game. I pay I pay a guy's Patreon to get like NVIDIA frame generation in this game, which is crazy. Like he added it hours after the game came out. So it's, I don't Amazing. think that hard to do, but like <laughs> they didn't put it in the game. Um, so anyways, I've done some mods like Sky, Star UI to make the, the user interface. All fix of the is, UI? Fix yeah. is too strong of a word, but it makes the <laughs> interface a little bit less terrible. But the thing you can do in, on the PC version is you can open up the console and then just like give yourself any item that you need. Mm-hmm. Or um, in my case, the main thing that I did was I just removed encumbrance. I just gave myself maximum yeah. carrying ability, which nice. the way that you're supposed to level up encumbrance in this game is that you like buy the encumbrance, like the strength perk, and then you have to, I believe it is you have to run um, a certain amount with more than half of your carry weight full. So you just have to like run around with heavy things to gain the ability to pay another perk point to get more inventory storage. And I was like, no, I'm sorry, but no, I'm not doing that. Like, I just don't want to worry about this because like I mentioned in my boilerplate, you get, you become over encumbered within like two minutes of playing Mm -hmm. this game. It's ridiculous. And it's just not fun. It's so fiddly. The interface or the inventory is so bad. So anyways, there are a couple little things like that that I use console commands to get around. So if you played this straight up and you maybe, I don't know, had to spend more time like in (laughs) menus dealing with your inventory, it might take another hour or two, but I don't think that would really 
uh, lead to the game clicking at all. So to answer your question, um, I got into a groove with it, I guess. Uh, it, you know, it never, it never flows because you never stay anywhere for very long. And so... I don't know. I think of back to like Fallout Three, where you make your way through downtown, and then you come to that that beached uh, like destroyer, that battleship that you get on, where Rivet City is, and then you're going through Rivet City, and there's like quests there. Just the feeling of having covered some distance to a place where there are now quests, and you're kind of going to hang out there for a little while. This game never had that because you're constantly hopping around, like all over the place. Just even in the middle of quests, like. You don't need fuel for anything. There's just yeah, no free. sense of... There's infinite fuel, seemingly. It's very weird. You know what's funny? Yeah, the fuel thing, that looks like a vestige of a system that was, like, scoped out of development. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, yeah. What's funny is that even when you're in a city doing quests on that city, it's still, like, four different loading screens as you go, oh, this there, doctor's clinic really, has its yeah, own loading man. screen. Once I, I really started to see the game as nothing but loading screens, you really uh-huh. start to kind of experience it in a way it's like seeing the framework of the game where everything in the game is just the most they could fit in between two loading screens which usually isn't that much even if it's a pretty short one when you're opening a door though I gather on console they're longer on PC they're pretty short but it's like you're always just loading in between things and there is one exception to that that I'll I'll say uh, there's a quest near the end it's just a story quest it's the one quest that has a spark it, the concept is borrowed to use a generous term from really two other games that come to mind. I'm not going to mention it just in case anyone playing wants to find it. It's pretty cool when it happens. And it does some like hopping you around between different areas seamlessly mm. without loading screens in a way that's really cool. And I was like, oh, this there's a spark here. Like this one mission is really cool. And then it kind of goes back. But the, most of the missions are just like go here and like kill someone and get a thing and then bring it back to a person. There's a whole series of the powers, the quests that you do to do powers mm-hmm. or to get powers. This guy, Vladimir, just gives you a planet to go to. Yep. You fly to the planet. You walk across a field to a temple. You float through these like glowing orbs in the temple. Oh my god, that was so annoying. <laughs> you do this like so many times, Jason. You do it so many times. You have to float times. through so many orbs. I thought it was, I thought I thought I was, was doing the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah I, I know, thought it was broken or something because it took so long. Nope, you do it so many times, and each time you get a new power. And um, a lot of New Game Plus is built around doing them even more to get more Oh, wait, 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 wait. You have to do that every time? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't get my second power either. Yes, and it's always the same. Hold on, Kirk. Okay, when I said that took so long, I was talking about just, I've just done it once. Like, getting the orbs. You have to do that multiple times. We'll get ready to do it many, many more times. (laughs) I'm not going to get ready, Kirk. I I will not, because I will not be playing anymore. (laughs) You're like, I will not get ready, sir. I literally deleted it. At like 4.55 today. I was like, it's over, Starfield. Oh, man. So five minutes before we recorded. <laughs> okay, so I will say, uh, from what I've played, I've seen hints at like some of the um, cool side stuff that you find in Bethesda games floating sure. out in space. Yeah. Like at one point, I don't know if you guys found this, maybe you, everyone runs into it. Like I got encounter, I got um, radioed by a teacher who was like, hey, and like she was on this like magic school bus looking thing and her kids <laughs> were talking on the radio and saying, hey, hey, is that a like oh, that's Vanguard? Cool, that's cool, or, yeah. yeah, there was like, there's stuff like that that you run sure. into. It's just like so inorganic, the discovery of it, because the only way to find it is just, I guess, to fast travel to random locations or like, yeah. 
hope you run into cool stuff on your way to SideQuest, which, I mean, just doesn't really seem... I'm guessing that if you really get into a groove with it, and maybe this is what people are talking about when they say it gets good after 12 hours, you figure out the rhythm of like, oh, okay, if I go to this place, maybe there'll be something cool over here. I could land on this planet, maybe there'll be something interesting to discover. And I do suspect that there's a lot of buried good side quests, good narrative, environmental storytelling and exploration stuff. It's just that like it <laughs> this game makes it so hard to get to that as opposed to previous Bethesda games to your point Kirk where you could just see something and be like, "Oh, here's a cool thing. I just landed in Skyrim and almost immediately after the intro sequence I can just walk in a direction and find a bunch of cool stuff right away." So, yeah, that is a real a real bummer and a real, I mean, you said it well, fatal flaw for this mm-hmm. game. I mean, it's yeah. tough that traversal just in general is so unfun. And obviously we've talked about the fast travel and the fact that that feels like loading screens are just selecting things on the map. You can do a little bit of it manually, but then if you get close to a planet, you just press R to dock and that's over and you watch the same exact docking cutscene every single time. There's actually a mod to remove the docking cutscene that I was very tempted oh, by, but oh, I felt helpful. like that would somehow... I don't know. That that felt like a bridge too far to me for for whatever reason. (laughs) I suspect it's in there just so you could see your cool spaceship that you build because you so rarely get to see see it. it. No, well, the docking cutscene in the docking cutscene with a space station, you don't even see your ship. It's a first person shot of the dock as you lock with it. Well, you see your ship right at the very last second where it's like connected to the dock at the bottom. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I don't think I ever saw that. Look, it's not. I can't blame you for spacing out during those moments because it is the same cutscene over and over. But anyway, I just mean traversal on the planets themselves. So I actually installed No Man's Sky after uninstalling this game just to try it because I'd never played it before. Mm -hmm. And I just played it for an hour and change. Had a great time because the opening of that game does so much to indicate to you where you should go on a planet. And a lot of that is like color design and visuals and the scanner in that game makes it really clear which elements are important versus not. I mean, No Man's Sky looks like a Lisa Frank painting compared to Starfield. I'm not saying I need every single thing to have like that level of color (laughs) saturation. That's not really where I'm going with it, but it is much more visually exciting. And it's also much more dangerous because you're constantly like, oh, I'm running out of air. Oh, what happened to my ship? oh, I need to collect resources so that I can continue to survive. There's much more of a survival element to it. And Starfield, you just never really feel any sense of urgency, or at least I didn't feel any urgency about collecting artifacts. And even when you collect the first one, Constellation is like, oh, wow, we didn't actually expect to like discover anything about this. That's like really exciting <laughs> that you actually discovered something sick, I guess. And it's like, well, what? What? We're not about to save the galaxy or anything? Like, I, I need a little bit of Star Wars in this. Like, I need something here. Like, what am mm-hmm. I doing here? Like, okay, yes, I'm all for just the exploration for exploration's sake. But if that's the case, then I need some outer wildsiness. I need some mystery I'm uncovering, which I guess, Kirk, is what you get to after the 10 hours are up or or whatever. You kind of keep progressing in the main story, like the mystery of the artifacts is revealed to you. But they need to give you something early on to make you care. Like, as it is, I'm just like, why am I doing any any of this? Because it's yeah, <laughs> so boring. I, I don't I wouldn't even really say that the the mystery is um is all that compelling or is really like the an exciting reveal. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say that this game if I were going to make a narrative critique of this game, it's that it f- it fails according to its own stated goals. 
That yeah, is that they exactly. are, they yeah. they want to have a debate about faith versus science. That's something that the developers of the game have talked about in the press, and it's something that will happen in Constellation HQ frequently. You'll bring back a new artifact. There are different characters. There's one character I think his name is Mateo, who is has a, he believes in something bigger than himself. He mm-hmm. sort of believes there may be some spiritual or supernatural explanation for what's happening. There's another character whose name I'm forgetting. She's very into science. There's kind of it, they're trying to ref, like represent these different views in this discussion a little bit uh it's a little bit Sagan-esque like if you've read Contact it feels like a very very it's hard not to say childish but it feels like a childish <laughs> version of the discussions that are happening in Contact which is a fantastic book and a really interesting imagining of what would happen if we made contact with some impossible thing? Mm-hmm. How would we talk about it? And like, how would faith and science intersect? I mean, that's the fundamental question of contact. And it's a really interestingly, it's a, of course a very interesting question and explored wonderfully by Carl Sagan. In this game, it's pretty, it's facile. That's a, I'd say a less insulting word for it. It just feels very surface level. Yeah. People are like, and what do you think? And I'll sort of be like, well, I'm science all the way. Or like, I think it's, <laughs> you know, me, I believe I'm in something bigger than gal. me. I'm a religion Exactly. It really feels like that. And there's, there's just not a lot of nuance to the discussion, let alone people actually challenging one another or it being like a real point of contention between characters. It's more like they're all just thinking out loud and then you go off and do the next thing. The problem, I think, narratively, is that eventually it doesn't really matter. Like the the questions of faith and science, like science certainly doesn't matter because nothing that happens is has anything to do with science. Like it like goes so far beyond science and just becomes kind of like comic book stuff like it's just like whatever no there's no real explanation for what's happening other than some kind of vague quantum whatever so it just isn't about those things at all and those conversations like the game just never really reckons with them and i i would compare it to outer wilds to pick a more you know in, in another video game comparison in that outer wilds is also about exploration and science but it's a game that through teaching you and through your learning process it, it achieves meaning in that way so that in the end, you have to draw your own conclusions about what happened based on the information that you've uncovered. And you use all of the learning that you did to understand what's happening. And what's happening is explained according to the science of the game, to all the things that you've learned, the elements you've discovered, the different like properties of you know what's happening with the star. Like It all makes sense. And you sit there and you have these moments of like, oh, sure. So that's what those people were doing. And that's why they were there. And, and it like winds up being really profound and incredible and about science and like the unknown and exploration and our fates and the stars and all these big questions. And Starfield is just like, Totally mm-hmm. not. Yeah. And entropy and cycles. Yeah, yeah. really cool. Um, yeah. Can I share another dialogue exchange? <laughs> Please. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, so Andrea, turn, uh, I talked to her, Andre, Andreja, whatever. I talked to her and she says, here, I have something for you. And I get a few dialogue options and I select, it's about time. And she says, do not make me regret the decision. Um, and then after a couple more exchanges, uh, uh, I say, I'll have to find out how much it's worth. And she like says something again, dismissive, like, oh, you don't have to keep it if you don't want. And then at the end of this conversation, I see in the top right corner of my, scene, of my screen, 
credits, 379 added. So she gave you money. So she said, I said, I'll have to find out how much it's worth. And she said, you don't have to keep it if you don't want. And what she gave me was 379 This is the thing. Gave the <laughs> you um, a huge chunk of cash. She just gave me a check. I think that, and this was, I think this was a downside of moving, of like focusing on the main story, that the side characters frequently would just be grabbing me after 15 minutes of playing and they'd be like we need to have a conversation because yeah. we're like moving too quickly through their character progression uh-huh. and that's one reason why like I said earlier I don't actually think that that advice to rush through and get to New Game Plus is good advice especially if you're playing this game and you're enjoying yourself because there are plenty of people out there yeah. who are enjoying it and anytime we have one of these discussions with a game like this where there are people enjoying it I always feel the need to at least like Acknowledge mention those people those because people? you know yeah. like that's fine, um, even if even if we didn't love it. Well, you, it feels like it's a game you have to kind of meet it on its terms and try to figure out what it's trying to do and look past a lot of baffling design decisions that will hopefully get fixed in the coming months and, and years. Yeah, I mean, modded. one thing... Yeah, or modded. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I'm sure they will add, or at least someone will add, hopefully a modder, is maps when you're in the cities because yeah. those things are just, like, impenetrable. <laughs> I know. Um, but really, yeah, I mean, there's just, like... So there's a lot of... <laughs> systems that I certainly haven't engaged with, like the research system or like really diving into all the skills because it doesn't really seem like a good use of time or like building yeah. outposts. But I'm mm-hmm. sure there's some people who are really into like going around and harvesting minerals from planets to put into their outposts and like building, playing around with that loop and stuff. But um, I just cannot, cannot get a grip on it myself. But um yeah, I don't know. I really think that it's just, uh, I think that, that when you've played a game with as many choices and player options and as many possible quest permutations as Baldur's Gate 3, it's really hard to move to an RPG that is so resoundingly not that, but on its surface looks like it should be that. Um, a lot of times I'm just like, why are there even dialogue options here when they yeah. all lead to the same outcome? And it almost it feels like it's just kind of by, like I don't know, traditions that they have to feel like they have to include all this stuff but it feels like it could have been a better game if it wasn't trying to do so many things at once if it streamlined some of this stuff and they put uh, more focus on like yeah. making some of the systems deeper it feels like a game that's going very very uh, wide and not very very deep and mm. that I think really makes it feel like just I mean to continue the metaphor a shallow experience all yeah around. I agree especially when it comes to the crafting systems which I did engage with a bit like I I I kept getting a cough. I, I I really tried to like venture out and like do things and explore yeah. because I was like really trying to meet this game on its terms, which meant I, I explored a lot of featureless planets and stumbled into outposts where I would kill space pirates and then move on with my life. Uh, it's kind of like an anti-Metroid or something where exploration isn't exciting <laughs> and you never find anything. Um, but so I did try to like create like aid supplies and stuff in the crafting system. But the problem with that is that because of the encumbrance mechanic, you never quite have enough stuff. I mm. never did install a mod that removed encumbrance because I just I, I was just trying to meet the game where it is. And that's really means, just a console command, to be clear, not even a mod. You just type one line into the console. But but nonetheless, I just kept the encumbrance as it was. And, and as a result of that, you just never have enough crafting items or at least you don't if you don't go back and revisit your ship constantly to like have enough in order to craft 
anything. And, and, and it's like, okay, if you want it to be a crafting game, if you want it to be as fun as I think cooking is and Tears of the Kingdom and building all my, my devices in that game, then you need me to have infinite inventory because otherwise I'm, I'm going to not have enough crafting items ever. And if you don't want it to be a crafting game, you want it to be more survival and dangerous like No Man's Sky or even Outer Wilds where I would constantly die and asphyxiate in that game. Great. But then you need to add those elements of danger to traversal and have that be exciting. Or you need to have like the Metroid situation where there's some Thing, some reason why I'm, I'm progressing to certain places because I'm getting rewarded with a new power that actually feels satisfying to use and there's like a reason why I'm there that's fun. <laughs> I, don't know, I felt like none of those things apply. I think you're mentioning No Man's Sky is interesting in another way because I've been playing that game too and have played a lot of No Man's Sky over the course of all of these updates. And one of the coolest things about that game now is something Hello added, I think about a year ago, which is you can make a custom game you can make a new game that's a custom game mode where you pick the difficulty up against a ton of different things and you can just customize the game into basically any of those types of games that you just described. Yeah. You can make it a game where there's no grinding. Like you can just be like, I get everything for free. There's no crafting requirements. I can just make whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I never run out and of starship like fuel and I can just fly around. Yep. You can make it so there's no combat. Nothing ever attacks you. You can just explore and build bases and like find, try to find the coolest looking planet. Or you can make it like super hardcore survival. Like you need to really take care of everything or any mix of those things. And there are all these different variables and you can make like, I've really tailored my, the game to my play style, which is very cool. And I was kind of doing some of that with, Starfield with the console commands, like giving myself unlimited inventory totally changed the game for me because mm-hmm. I was like, cool, I can just pick up everything. I don't have to think about it now. I can spend some time in my inventory looking through all these cool items I picked up. Yeah. Like it was much more pleasurable to me. And that's like a nice, it's really mm. a type of accessibility, like a way to customize the game mm-hmm. that I wish this game actually just offered. I mean, they kind of do in, by including console commands at all, but they should just put them in the menu. To be clear, Kirk, when you talk about console commands, this is actually on the PC that you can yes. it, right? Can you yeah, do I this know on the <laughs> Xbox too? <laughs> no, I was talking with some folks in the Discord about that, about how for, they're not called PC commands, and yet you cannot do them on console. <laughs> you, the console command goes goes back a ways in PC gaming, wow, but it's right. That's so deep. You hit the man. tilde key, and like a, you get a prompt, and then you just you type like player dot add item, and then an item code, and it's like you get ten med packs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there are all kinds. Of, there's websites everywhere with all of the different codes yeah. for items, and you mm-hmm. can give yourself abilities. You can do all kinds. They're of cheat stuff. cheat commands. These would be considered cheat codes. Yes, they are <laughs> cheats, and I should say if you do them, they disable achievements they in the do. game. Yeah, but then there's a sense. mod that you can download that re-enables achievements, which <laughs> oh, I don't wow. download. Oh, wow, wow, which is nice because it shouldn't That's... disable. They should let you customize your game however you want. Like, come on, give me a well, break. Well, especially because the game as is is no fun like freaking encumbrance why why have you done this to me Bethesda yeah. like don't you take away my achievements it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a start Stop. but it'd be cool if, if eventually they added that to the menus to just let you completely change your experience of it yeah that'd make the game a lot more fun mm. um, just anything to re- reduce well I, I was gonna say to reduce friction but it's not that this game has like very it, weird it's not friction that. they need more fun friction yeah i mean yeah. I, I think it's mostly just playing this game i'm like i can't wait for more modders to just write fan fiction stories basically where they're like go to this specific planet and i designed a whole quest that you should play mm-hmm. like people will sure. just do that i think there is stuff there it's just yeah, that I think it you're takes, right. it's very hard to find it um unless i guess there's some more discoverability stuff that comes up later or like you have to follow Not certain really. chains and stuff but <laughs> 
Kirk is already no, like, you no, just go not. explore. It's like if you get to a new solar system, usually you'll get hailed, you'll get a radio signal, and that'll indicate, oh, there's something going on. There's like a side right. quest. And yeah, like it's, some of those are very cool. I've done a few of them. And yeah, they're fun. They're, they're still typically, the ones I've done have been kind of disjointed still because there's just that feeling of loading screens and of like, yeah. okay, well, we need a grav drive for this ship. So you're going to go all the way across the friggin' galaxy to get it. But you just fast travel in menus and then you're back and you give them the grav drive. It's, and it's yes. like, what am I even doing? Like, it still has that feeling. But the stories are, are, are cool of some of the ones that I did. So, you know, yeah, I think it's you just have to decide to just sort of go to random solar systems and see if someone hails you or you get a notification of something. Or you could just go to the House of Hope and try to steal the Orphic hammer from <laughs> right, Raphael. Or you, could, and... you could play a different game. Yeah, I think I think we all we all were pretty frustrated by this one, but it is an interesting game and it's not without its charms. I do think it has its it has its there's something lovable about it just cuz there's still there's just something lovable about BGS games even ones as flawed as this one. So there it's is It's true. Like seeing an NPC just fully back turn telling you their <laughs> life story. There's just yeah, something very charming something about charming it about that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I'm still excited for Elder Scrolls Six whenever that comes out. I'll play <laughs> sure, that. Man. I'm yeah, excited hopefully for Starfield just have too. One map. I think they're yeah, gonna figure Starfield it out. Yep. <laughs> it's gonna be good. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, all right, let's take a break and then we'll be back for one more thing. Throughout history, sirens have captured men's attention, enticed men with their feminine wiles, and fulfilled men's primal needs. The sirens allure Uh, persists. They have not. Unless the primal need is I need to be smashed on the rocks. Yeah, smash me. Smash me, mommy. Smash me, mama. Smash me, mommy. The sirens alone. <laughs> Why do we strand. do this to ourselves? Strand me, baby. Strand, strand me, me, baby. So, yeah, this is my brother, my brother, and me for Maximum Fun on Mondays. It's just like that. Just like that, but more, it's just like that, but more of it. There's, there's just more of that. And we're back for one more thing. Maddie, your one more thing looks fun, so you can go first. <laughs> All right, sure. So we have continued to watch movies once a week, as as we do. It's 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 our date night, and I could still be picking movies as my one more thing, but I feel like the last few movies we watched don't really merit that. But I have started mm-hmm. using Letterboxd, which is sort of like a social media app where you can log what movies you're watching and rate them. And I use it in a very minimalist way. I don't recommend following me, but I do recommend following Demi Adijuibwe, who is a internet denizen of your people what probably do you know call him Demi? as I don't want <laughs> to call him September a guy. Creator. He's the September guy. Yeah, he's the September guy. He's a comedian. He's, I would say a, he's a writer and a comedian. He was What's the name of that Earth Earth Fire and uh, Earth Wind, Wind and Fire. Fire There's song. a strong songs episode yes, about. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um he used to be Electro Lemon as like his handle on most accounts, but I think he's he's transitioned to just making people learn how to spell his last name and bless him for it. So I I recommend looking up his Letterboxd account because he he actually writes in-depth reviews of all the movies he watches. And in addition to just being a really funny person, I mean, if you've seen his his old vines or anything else he's made, I'm sure you'd expect these reviews to be funny, and they are. They're also just really incisive. He has great taste in movies. It's not really something I necessarily thought of Demi as being an expert in, but I don't know why not. And now I've gotten really into reading his Letterboxd reviews. And nice. I super recommend them. So yeah, I I would say check out movie reviewer Demi Adjuivwe. He's, <laughs> he's turned me on to some pretty good movies. And also I've really enjoyed reading his reviews. So yeah, 
Letterboxd. It's a website where people do that for free. <laughs> they just put content <laughs> on there and no one gets paid for it. That part's not great. Nice. I'd like to kick Demi a buck for his reviews. Oh, well. I saw him give a talk at XOXO in Portland like five or six years ago. Yeah, we ago were at about... the same XOXO at the time. We both saw oh, that Oh, were talk. we? Was yeah. it the talk about jazz? Yes. Yes. He gets on stage and I can't remember exactly, <laughs> but there's a the, the screen behind him says jazz. Bad music for psychopaths or something. Yeah. And then he like starts Such talking about talk. and he like played clarinet without knowing how to play clarinet and like clearly knew nothing about That's jazz or pretended to not does. know anything about jazz. Yeah. It was very he's, funny. He's he's a very experimental performer and I like his yeah, work it was a good. lot. It's varied and it's good. Um all right, well I'll go next uh, with a show that I have been watching and just finished that is one of the best TV shows I've seen in a really long time, and that is The Bear which is an FX show that uh, finished its second season. Third season is, of course, up in the air due to the ongoing strike. But um, there are two seasons of it, and it is so freaking good. I can't believe how good it is. I really want both of you to watch it. Jason, I know that you started it. Um, I I just want to convince you to go back and watch the whole thing because it's... I'm about halfway through season two, for what it's worth. Oh, you are? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, Oh, my God. Uh, This show is incredible. So the show is created by Christopher Storer and co-showrun with Joanna Callow. She of uh, BoJack Horseman writing Renown, which tracks with this show. It has a... You can see it anyways. You can see some similarities. Although it's live action. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's not a cartoon. Just as dark. Um, so the show is about uh, a character played by Jeremy Allen White, who I was not familiar with, but is in, what's the show called? Uh, there's a show that he's from. Anyways, uh, an actor named Jeremy Allen White, who is an incredibly good actor. He plays uh, Carmi Berzato, who is shameless. a young chef. Yes, shameless, that's it. Um, so Carmi's a young chef whose brother dies unexpectedly and he returns home to Chicago to take over his brother's kind of down-and-out sandwich shop, which is called The Beef. And uh, it's really a show about grief at first and then about, like, recovery and finding yourself, I suppose. Um, it's about second chances and it's about food. And it's so, so, so good. I am just amazed by it. So some of the reason I love it is that I am not a Chicago boy, but I have many friends from Chicago. I grew up in Indiana and I'm very familiar with the city and its peculiar energy. And this show really, really captures Chicago in a way that I love. Um, also, it's just anchored around a couple of incredible performances. Um, Ayo Adibiri plays uh, Sydney, who is She's the other so sort of lead good. chef. She's incredibly good. And then I would say walking away with the show is Yvonne Moss-Backrack, who uh, people know from Andor, actually. He yes. had a really pivotal role in the sort of heist sequence of Andor and who also played, um, what's his name? John, John Carrey Roo. Yeah. John Carrey Roo in, uh, in The Dropout. But he plays a cousin. He plays Richie, who is not actually anybody's cousin. Yeah. But is this extremely toxic, extremely unlikable guy who then undergoes what I would say is maybe one of the greatest character arcs I've ever seen in a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maddie, you'll, especially when you finish season two. I mean, you kind of, I, I guess I haven't completed any level of redemption arc for him, but I love Richie despite how detestable True. he is, and he, I always yes. have, because he's just a, such a well-written, detestable, unhappy man. He's, he's, he's a, a very yeah. fully realized person. 
He is, and I know Chicagoans love him. He does it. Ivan uh, is, I think, a New Yorker originally. Actually, fun fact: a friend of mine gave him guitar lessons when he was learning guitar for girls. <laughs> he oh, was his wow. guitar teacher, which I just found out, and I'm like, now I'm like obsessed. I'm Small like, dude, world. you gotta like <laughs> put us in touch or something. Nice. Um, so, uh, so, anyways, he's a New Yorker, but he does a. a pretty good Chicago accent, and I gather that Chicagoans love him for his depiction of this kind of puffy-faced, mm-hmm. angry Chicago Divorced man. dad energy. There's an episode in season two called Forks that when you see, oh my God, it's just like, there's two, fishes and forks. There's like, anyways, <laughs> the show does so much amazing shit. They do a couple of times now, once in each season, they have done these just death-defying tracking shot episodes. There's an entire episode in season one. It's a shortened episode, but it's like an 18-minute tracking shot that's one of the most stressful and incredible things I've ever seen. And then in the season two finale, they do it again, and it's even like more unbelievable because they add all these new elements to it. And it just, it gives you the sense of like the chaos of the kitchen, the love of the food, the con conflict between the way you like kill yourself doing something that you love but you but you get so much out of it the inspiration out in the world of food itself of being an artist and of like second chances and changing i really i like i'm so amazed by how good it is i just like absolutely loved it i know everyone said it was good i'm probably the last person to watch it though i guess maddie you're with, right there no, with me I'm, we we kind of took a break from it because as much as we love it it is very stressful and i think in the midst of wedding planning we were like we can't we can't keep watching the bear it's just so I can much see that. But yeah we have taken on like any time our takeout is late I'm like oh it's a real bear situation over there which like Jason <laughs> yeah. when you see it you'll understand what I mean like I the hands, amount of stress <laughs> that they have on the show when yeah. orders go wrong I'm just like I can't I could never order food again I already tip so well when I order food but I'm like I, how do I help them like are they okay yeah, I know. It's, it's definitely yeah it's, it makes you really viscerally feel the yes. dysfunction of a, of a kitchen yep. even while you also like the food looks so good there's an omelet in season two that I'm I know with. it makes you hungry too even though you're also like I'm worried about everyone <laughs> yeah. anyway it's a great show I just wanted to throw that recommendation out there for anyone who's heard that it's good but hasn't watched it I really just can't recommend it enough and even if you start it and you're like oh this is kind of stressful and not my thing keep watching like it it really is like a show that blooms and all the characters bloom and blossom and grow and it like becomes just such a rich and rewarding experience much like a fine dish <laughs> Sorry. Love it. <laughs> Jason, what's your one more thing? Oh, man. I'm All ready. Right. I'm ready, Jason. I'm ready for this. So I was going to talk about a cool book I read, but then the New York Jets decided to be the New York Jets this weekend. Uh, so I saw this. let me give you guys a little bit of context. The New York Jets are a snake-bitten franchise, which means they are cursed. Um, for the past 40 years, they have failed to develop and maintain and keep a competent quarterback. They've had some good teams, but quarterback as a position has just always eluded them, especially in recent times. They also have not made the playoffs in 12 years, which makes them, which is the longest drought across any of the four like professional major leagues in, in North America. So, okay. So this off season, the Jets score a guy named Aaron Rodgers, who is a legendary quarterback, one of the best yes. of all time. He's kind of, he's at the end of his career. He's 30, 
39. Quarterbacks don't usually play that long, but he's still probably got a couple of good years left in him. And the Jets had a really good team last year, aside from quarterbacks. So he was like the perfect puzzle piece that they needed to fit in there to make a contending team. And all offseason long, it was like, oh, Jets could be a Super Bowl contender. Nice. They could be Things like are a really go good great. team. This Things is gonna are going to go good. great. Wow, the story I feel good like about it's going to wrap up really well. <laughs> Nothing bad's going to happen. But then you remember it's the New York Jets. So, okay, Monday night. Jets are playing Monday night football. Big marquee game. National television audience. It's 9-11. There's a big ceremony. Aaron Rodgers comes out. He's holding an American flag. He comes out. The stadium is electric. They're at home. All the New York Jets fans are just going crazy. Some A bunch of reporters tweeted they've never seen like the Jets stadium like this before. Like Never seen so much excitement, so much hype. Even my most cynical Jets fans' friends were just Sobbing. like so optimistic about this, <laughs> this season. So Aaron Rodgers comes out. He plays. He throws. He misses a throw. He throws, again, uh, penalty. So they, they advance to uh, another first down. And then he gets hit. And at first, it's kind of, it doesn't look like such a bad hit. Um, and then he's on the ground, he gets back up, but then you see him, he stands up, and then he's like, nope, and he sits down. Uh-oh. And then it turned out, we find out gradually over the course of, of the night, that it turned out he popped his Achilles and he is out for the season after playing uh. four snaps with the Jets. And then they have to bring in Zach Wilson, who was their quarterback uh, last year. Going from Aaron Rodgers to Zach Wilson is like going from Baldur's Gate 3 to Starfield. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Really, really, it's like Ruined. going from... I hope no, you guys no, listen no, to this Really, show. it's like... Mr. Uh, it's Wilson, like, our condolences. <laughs> I, I, I should... Let me take that back. It's like going from Baldur's Gate 3 to Gollum. Remember that Gollum game? <laughs> oh, that came out my God. Year? Zach Wilson is the worst quarterback uh, in the league by far. He is the reason they had to get Aaron Rodgers because he's just this disaster of a guy. But hey, the Jets' (laughs) defense is still pretty good. They were good last year. They're, They're still elite. Um, they're flying around the field. They hold Josh Allen, who's a pretty good quarterback. They get him to th- throw three interceptions and lose a fumble. They keep it pretty close. They, there's this guy named Quinton Williams on the Jets team. Is this incredible player, force of nature, who is best known for, in an interview after he was drafted, he's in the middle of talking. He sneezes. He says, bless you. Thank you. And then he keeps talking. <laughs> 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 so he does it all himself. That is a pretty weird thing to do. <laughs> it was incredibly weird. Garrett Wilson, their their superstar, fledgling superstar wide receiver, makes this insane circus catch, one of the craziest catches I've ever seen. Zach Wilson basically is about to throw an interception. Garrett Wilson like deflects the ball out of the defender's hand and somehow like maneuvers it so he catches it, juggles it in the air while he's landing. It was incredible. Anyway, the Jets are up. It's 16-13 at the end of the game. Bills drive. They drive. They drive, they get into field goal range, they kick a field goal, and it hits the upright. Like, it it goes doink, but then it bounces in and goes in, and so they get it. They bring it to overtime. Looks like the Bills get the ball first. It's like, up, oh, same old Jets. Like, they're going to score and they're going to win this game. But no, the Jets defense holds strong. They hold the Bills. They get the Bills to a three and out. Bills punt the ball. And it lands in the hands of this guy, this undrafted rookie who barely made the team named Xavier Gibson. And a little bit of context on this guy. Um, before uh, the season, the Jets were on this show called Hard Knocks, which is like in a documentary, behind the scenes documentary mm-hmm. about training camp. And this guy was like one of the stars of that show. And in fact, the Jets loved him so much they did like a little fake out at the end of the season where they pretend like the the GM Joe Douglas called him up and was like sorry man 
you made the team like like yeah. at the end of the season so it was mm-hmm. like a heartwarming story like this guy he was such a good like person like such a fun personality such a good dude it seemed like so he's the punt returner he gets the punt he starts running just gets some blocks he keeps running gets just gets some more blocks he like is weaving in and out somehow he gets all the way into the end zone and scores a touchdown and the jets win on a walk-off punt hey, return touchdown nice in wow. overtime coming and jets fans are going crazy and then they're like Oh wait a minute! We lost our quarterback. Who right, we were hoping? Yeah, how are you going to do it again? (laughs) The face of the franchise, and now we have to have Zach Wilson, the golem of NFL football players. (laughs) Um, So, like, even this like death, like wild win that everybody should be stoked about, just like has a massive asterisk on it. Um, Aaron Rodgers, in his four snaps with the Jets, had zero completions, zero yards, but somehow he still, (laughs) he still, still somehow. He's still the greatest NFL quarterback to ever play for the New York Jets. Wow. <laughs> That's our team. Wow. That's what it's like to be a Jets fan. <laughs> that was a great story. That's a though. bummer. My condolences to him and to you, Jason. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, look, any proper Jets fan knew that this was going to happen. Yes. Like, I did say to a couple of buddies and family members, like, look, I mean, we got to watch out for injuries. This guy's 39. I mean, I'm 36 and I can barely get out of a chair without like, grunting. <laughs> so <laughs> you're injury prone yeah. when you get to that age. But yeah. who knows what will happen this season. I'm still, the Jets defense is still so impressive that I, I still am going to enjoy watching them. But man, such a bummer. What could have been yeah. it's just so sad and what's really sad is that like i mean he's he's a character i mean he's like a, a bad dude in some ways he's an anti-vaxxer he's like Who said aaron some rogers harmful is? shit yeah aaron rogers yeah. but like hard knocks watching him he just seemed like he was such a lovable dude and was like making all his teammates happy and was talking about how he was like finally happy for the first time in years to be playing football with the jets and it was hard not to like be like okay i can root for this guy mm-hmm. um but no not to wow. me all right. I'm pressing F for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so it goes. Yeah. We'll have to keep us posted as this season continues. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. We did it. We, we made did an it episode. Again. All right, back to space. And by back to space, I mean I'm not going to go back to space. I'm going to play some other stuff instead. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to yeah, play some so Baldur's Gate, games to play. I think. <laughs> I think pretty, I'm check it's out a pretty Baldur's exciting Gate. time to be playing video games. All right. Nice. All right. See you guys next time. Yep. See you next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.